Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This Holy Week, um, we're going to have a three-part series uh, that we can glean from some of the prophecies and some of the scripture that we read. Obviously, during Holy Week, we read a lot of scripture. Um, so this is going to be structured. The first part is going to be speaking about um, how the people have rejected God. This is essentially the story. This whole Holy Week is the story of, of, of the, the people of God going from death to life. Even though God created us to live and created us to enjoy life and created us to be fulfilled in the world in the, and placed us in the Garden of Eden, but instead we chose death and we see actually the manifestation and the evidence of this, this death all throughout Holy Week. All throughout Holy Week we see death, right? And even the decoration in the church, everything is in black. We have the icon of the crucifixion. Um, all the, the tunes are, are mournful tunes. Everything is, is kind of about the idea of death and suffering and so on. So the first part of this is about the people's rejection and the consequences of their rejection uh, of God, okay, and of the Messiah, the Savior. And then the second part in the book of this is we're going to speak about in Isaiah chapter 50. The second part is going to be speaking about the new life that God is promising us um, from Isaiah chapter 61. Because the book of Isaiah, actually, he, he prophesied so much about what was to come. And then the third part is going to be how this life is manifested in the New Testament, in the church, in the sacraments. Okay, So today we're going to speak about, in, from Isaiah chapter 50, um, where Isaiah speaks about what he calls the certificate of divorce. Okay, in, um, in, in the first verse, in Isaiah 50 verse 1, it says, Thus says the Lord, where is the certificate of your mother's divorce, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? For your iniquities you have sold yourselves, and for your transgressions your mother has been put away. So what, what, is, what here is God saying? God is saying what? I am not the one who, who, who rejected you, right? Because in the Old Testament, whenever there was a man who was married to his wife, and he wanted to reject his wife, he wanted to divorce his wife, so what he would do, he would write this certificate of divorce, essentially a written document saying that he is divorcing her, and he does not want to be married to her anymore. So God in the Old Testament is a symbol of the groom and the church or the, the people of God is like the bride. So it's like we are married to God. And so God is coming and saying, "What? where is the certificate of your mother's divorce? Meaning, where, where, where have you seen that I have rejected you? I'm not the one that wrote the certificate. I'm not the one that wanted to divorce. I'm not the one that wanted to separate myself from you. But you are the one, right? You are the one, right? that have chosen this for yourselves. It says, for your iniquities, you have sold yourselves, right? So it's very clear from the beginning that the reason for the separation between God and man is God himself. Not only do we see this in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, where obviously was the first sin and the first separation to happen, the first sin that was, that was voluntary, that was by the free will of Adam and Eve that they chose to separate from God, but we see every attempt after this all throughout the Old Testament, of God to reconcile himself to his people, of God to send prophets to warn his people, of God to encourage his people to live a certain way. In every way, God kind of reached out and said, you know, I want to return you to me. And yet we see the people continuing to reject God all throughout. And again, this is one of the themes of Holy Week, right? And we speak about the certificate of divorce. In, in the book of Hosea, actually, Hosea the prophet was uh, a great example of a prophet that kind of personified, again, the, the relationship between God and his people. The prophet Hosea, God told him to go and to marry a harlot, 
right? A woman that would cheat on him, a woman that would be unfaithful to him, and that this would be a symbol of, of the relationship between God and Israel. Th that as though Israel is a harlot who was unfaithful to her husband and went and worshipped other gods and went and disobeyed the commandment of her husband. So we read in Hosea chapter 4, verse 12, it says, My people ask counsel from their wooden idols, and their staff informs them. For the spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray, and they have played the harlot against their God. So God is saying what? These other wooden idols, these things that you go after to worship these other idols, this is like harlotry to me. This is the way God is seeing it. When you go and worship other idols, it's like, it's like a, a woman who is married to her husband who seeks another man, who goes to another outside of the relationship and seeks another man. This is the way that God sees it. This is the way God perceives it. Right? Why is it that you have left me? I came and offered you everything. And actually, in, in the, the book of Hosea, Hosea goes after this harlot, goes after his wife, and he comforts her, and he gives her everything that she needs in order to bring her back again. All of this is, is an analogy for how God sees us. He is not the one that has pushed us away or rejected us, but we are the one who have rejected him, and he is constantly trying to call us back to himself. St. John Chrysostom, actually, he speaks about this. He says, he utters these things, speaking about this certificate of divorce, he utters these things to reveal that we initiated the desertion that led to our perdition. God does not wish to forsake or punish us, or even if he does, it would be as though it is against his will, saying, I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God, therefore turn and live. Some people see God as being a God who is very vengeful, very judgmental, very wrathful, and he is seeking to find anything wrong with what we are doing in order to condemn us, in order to strike us down, and this is the kind of God that, that we believe. But this is not him. This is not the God that we believe. We believe in the reverse of this. We believe that there's a God who sees his stubborn, obstinate, disobedient children that have constantly you know, rejected him, rejected all of his gifts, rejected all of his efforts to bring them back to him and yet despite all of this he wants to comfort us he wants to give us he wants to bring us closer to him and he says what i have no pleasure in your death i have no pleasure maybe you are under the yoke of death because this is what you have chosen and i cannot come and and block your free will i'm not going to come and, and 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 force you to come back to me because actually this is not love this is not love hosea never went and forced his wife to come back to him but he went and he tried to convince her, he tried to give her love, show her kindness, show her goodness, so that she being fed up with her harlotries, she realizing that her harlotries are empty, would come back to him joyfully, would want to come back. And this is what God does, just like in the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, he was allowed to leave his father. His father didn't stop him, even though his father knew, obviously, that this was the wrong choice. And he went and he lived and in a way that he, he like ruined his life. In every way, he ruined his life. But you never see a single time where the father is like there ready to pounce on his son. Is there always supervising what's going on, constantly calling him on the phone. It's like, hey, do you want to come back yet? No, what, what he's doing is he's leaving him to his own devices. He's leaving him to his own choices. He knows that having made these choices, he will reap the consequences of these choices. And then because he knows his father loves him, he will choose to come back. Oftentimes, parents actually have this problem. When they have children that are struggling with some kind of a sin, maybe a drug addiction, maybe some, something that's ruining their life, and they want to know, what is it that I can do, right? And the parents are always very 
wanting to do something because as parents we love our children we want to serve them we want to help them because we are experienced maybe more than our children well, obviously and we see the, the wrong path that they're going and we want to stop them we don't want them to feel any more pain than is necessary and we want them to come back but unfortunately as we see throughout history and we th see through the old testament the people never really understood the consequences of their actions until they fell in it and the only thing that god could really do is to constantly show them his love so that when they wake up and they realize that they have ruined everything they would be willing to come back to him again because he's not going to be a god who comes and points at them and says i told you so he's not going to be a god who says you know what you rejected me for so long and you hurt my feelings for so long and you serve these idols for so long i'm gonna i'm never gonna accept you again right he is not the god that we that we worship he is not the god that we believe in the God that we believe in is a God who is so patient, but at the same time, he allows us to experience the consequences of our own actions so that we learn and that when we come back to him, actually our relationship with him is more fruitful, is deeper, is, 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 is better than even it was at the beginning. You know, maybe um, in the story of the prodigal son, the son, when he was living with his father, maybe he felt trapped there. Maybe he felt like, you know, my father is preventing me from enjoying myself. He has all of this money and all these things, but he's not really using it the way that I want. I don't have my own freedom. So I'm going to go take this inheritance and I'm going to go out. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to live my life, right? And that maybe was his attitude toward his father at the beginning. But after he left and he experienced the bitterness of his sin and the bitterness of, of all that he chose, now when he comes back to his father, he comes like broken, and he comes saying what that even i will consider myself to be like a hired servant like 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 i would just be willing to do anything to live again in my father's house and so he has a different attitude and a different mentality toward god and so sometimes god actually allows us to go through periods of time like this not because god is punishing us not because god is wrathful you know not because god has rejected us we actually are the one who have rejected him this is exactly what we're reading here and yet he knows that the only way for us to truly benefit from our relationship with him, to truly understand who he is, is for us to go through this experience and then to come back different. We're not the same like we were before. God is the same. God is who he's always been, right? But we are the ones that have changed. We are the ones that come back with fresh eyes, with a new understanding of realizing, God, you are saving me from all of this darkness that was outside this whole time even though I never realized how, how, how much you were really protecting me, that I never tasted this bitterness before. And now I understand your commandments. I understand why you tell me do this and don't do this. I understand why you restrict me. You don't restrict me because you, 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 know, you want control or power over me. You restrict me because you love me and you don't want me to suffer in that darkness. And certainly we know even in the Garden of Eden, when God gave the commandment to Adam and Eve not to eat of the forbidden fruit, he did so not because he wanted control over them. He did so because he wanted to protect them from the consequences of death. So God continues then, after telling his people, I have not rejected you. You are the ones who have rejected me. This is in Isaiah 50 verse 1. Then he goes on into the next verse and he says what? Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? So at the beginning, he's saying what? You're the ones who have rejected me, and yet I am not powerless. I can still save you. I can still redeem you. I still have the power to do so. Okay? And again, we see this example in the prophet Hosea. It says in Hosea chapter 2, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfort to her. 
this is the story of salvation. The story of salvation is that even though we rejected God not once but a billion times, and yet God's response is not our destruction, but God's response is to allure us, to comfort us, to, to attract us back to him, to accept us even though we have rejected him many times, that the door is always open. Right? In the prodigal son parable, the door of the father was always open, even actually when the son was coming, and even from far away, just that the father saw that the son was making any kind of effort to return, the father ran out to meet him. Right? This is not a picture of a father who is grumpy and bitter, and who wants to you know, rub it into his son, and to make it difficult, and he wants his son to grovel at his feet in order to accept him again. This is not the father. Right? This is not the Father in this parable, and this is not our Father, God, who is not wanting us to grovel. He is not, he's not wanting to rub it in. He's wanting to say, what? I'm actually going out to comfort you. I'm going out to show you my acceptance. At the hint of repentance that you have, I want to shower you with blessings and goodness, not because you deserve, but because I am good. This is, this is who he is, because he is good, because his character is good. So he is a God who delivers, right? And so what was the form of this deliverance? You know, when we speak about stories, you know, maybe between like a natural father and son, a lot of times um, maybe the son has messed something up so much that in order for the father to really deliver his son, he has to make some big sacrifice. You know, maybe we think of a, a simple example where the son is so much in debt tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, whatever it might be. And now the father is saying, okay, how is it that I can deliver you from this debt? You have sold yourself to debt. You have sold yourself in sin. How is it that I'm going to actually deliver you? Is it going to be just, okay, come back and your room is ready for your in-house? Actually, there's more to it than that. It's not just, let's go back to the way that things were. Because now you are stained. You are now in bondage. You have now been sold to sin. And you are not able to just come back and everything is like it was. Which is why actually when Adam and Eve sinned against God in the Garden of Eden, the garden was closed. God put an angel to protect the garden so that they could never return. It wasn't just a matter of, okay, we repent and now you can come back and everything is like it never happened. No, you, you, the, the consequences of your sin are permanent. The consequences you have, you have, you have um, received cannot just be easily undone, even by God himself. Okay? So when God is saying now, I will deliver you, this is more than just saying, I forgive you and everything is fine. Okay? The type of deliverance that God is offering is a much deeper, much more substantial type of deliverance and a, deliver a deliverance that proves the love of God maybe in a way that mankind had never even thought of before. In the Old Testament, God was a God in heaven, a God that gave commandments, a God that said, do this and offer sacrifices and uh, you know, fast these fasts and feasts and all of this. The people maybe never really saw or felt the true love that God had for them until it came time for their own salvation. Because in the salvation, God did not just snap his finger and say, I accept you again. No, he said, I must suffer now for you, right? You suffered and you caused me to suffer and you rejected me, and you didn't accept me, and now I am going to suffer for you even more suffering than I've already suffered. Even though you disrespected me, and you dishonored me, and you rejected me, right? I still love you, and I'm willing to suffer for you, to die for you, and to accept all types of humili like humiliation for you, because that's how much I want you to return. So we read, actually, a kind of strange verse 
in Isaiah chapter 50, in verses 5 and 6, which when we first read it, kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. It says, What the Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Now, of course, now looking at it and looking back, we understand what this means. This was the suffering that the Lord Christ accepted on the cross. I gave my back to those who struck me. He was flogged, right? He was flogged. This is something that's reserved only for criminals, for people that would be flogged as a punishment for their crime. My cheeks, right, to those who plucked out the beard, right? This is a sign of disrespect, people that disrespected him. The spitting, which is like a universal humiliation, okay? This is what the Lord accepted, right? But he went on, if you read the very first one, the very first part of the verse, maybe we understand the rest. I gave my back to those who struck me, my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. We understand the humiliation that Christ endured, even just the humiliation of the incarnation. Right? This in itself is a type of humiliation which we can't comprehend. We can maybe understand when someone is spat on, we can understand when someone is beaten, we can understand because we can relate to this. You know, if somebody beats me, strikes me, spits on me, I, I, I feel the humiliation in this, okay? But the incarnation of Christ, meaning that God who is eternal, who is immortal, who is all-powerful, is going to take upon himself a flesh that is weak, that is corrupted, right? That is this physical, physically weak, uh, even know what word to use <laughs> it is physically weak it's not spirit god is spirit god is powerful right and he's taking on himself this weak substance on himself right this in itself the incarnation shows the love of god and this is what he did he was incarnate and he accepted suffering but what about this part at the beginning that says the lord god has opened my ear what does that mean this actually means that the Lord has accepted this not because he was compelled to. He accepted it completely out of love. I'm going to read for you from Exodus chapter 21, and it will help us make sense of what this means. It says, but if, so, so a little background here in Exodus 21. It's speaking about the relationship between masters and servants. Okay, And it's saying that there are certain rules that after a certain number of years, a servant, like a slave, must be set free from the master. Okay, But here it's saying what, in some cases, maybe the slave doesn't want to leave. The slave loves the master so much that he doesn't want to leave. The servant wants to stay with the master. And this is what it says in Exodus 21. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or the doorpost and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl and he shall serve him forever. So what does this mean? If the servant decides that he doesn't want to leave his master, he doesn't want to go and be free and live on his own, what is the sign, what is the, the ritual that has to happen in order for the servant to declare to the master, no, I want to live with you forever, and I, I reject freedom. I don't want to be free on my own. I want to remain in your house and be your servant forever. This is what would be done. They would bring the servant, okay, and they would get like an awl, which is like a big nail, 
and they would put his ear to the door, the wooden door, and they would strike with the nail into his ear. Okay? And this was a sign that the servant accepted to remain a servant to this master forever. Okay? And that he did so out of his love for the master. He was not compelled, he was not forced to do this. Okay? Now if we go back to the previous verse in Isaiah chapter 50 where it says, The Lord God has opened my ear. This is actually what it's referring to. The Lord God has opened my ear means what? That the Lord God, like the Father, has, has thrust this all into me, which of course is the cross, the wooden cross whom, whom Christ was nailed to. This was the sign of love that Christ offered to us, that he offered this lovingly, willingly, without any kind of compulsion, not because he was forced to do this, but just as the servant that chooses to obey his master. Right? Christ was obedient to the Father, and he did so out of love to us. He did so because he wanted. He wanted to serve us, and he wanted to free us and to save us. Okay? So this is a very important prophecy. When it says what in Isaiah 50, the Lord God has opened my ear. This gives us a sense of the motivation that Christ had in order to save his children. So finally... There is an invitation to obedience in Isaiah 50, verse 10. It says, Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. He's saying, who fears? Who obeys, right? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust. Meaning what? If you want to accept this gift of salvation, okay, all of this that Christ has given to you, all this that Christ has offered you for salvation, there is something you have to do. You are being invited to obey. No longer walk in darkness. Fear the Lord and obey the voice of his servant, who is Christ. Okay? Trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. This is why the gift of salvation that Christ offered to the whole world actually was not accepted by everyone. Many, many people rejected even the gift of salvation and remain as slaves of darkness and slaves of sin. We in the church, by the grace of God, has, have accepted and we continue to strive to obey and to accept and to live this life. Okay? So this is something that requires some action on our part. Okay? Next time, God willing, tomorrow, we're going to speak about this new life that God is offering us now as being saved, as being redeemed, as, as having him offered his blood on our behalf, that we now accept this gift and we receive something new, right? Our, 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 our nature is renewed and we receive this kind of new life and, and, and res life of resurrection, which ultimately this whole week obviously is leading up to. That even though we go through this many days of thinking about sin and death and suffering, but all of this is ultimately leading to the resurrection, which is the 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 kind of the, 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 the result of all of the things that God has done, all the plan of salvation that God had prepared, even from the Garden of Eden, all the way until that time, right? This is the culmination of the whole plan of salvation for the people of God. So we should always remember during this week how we are the ones that rejected Christ. We are the ones who rejected God, even in the Old Testament, the people Right? We, the people, have rejected him, and yet God did not reject us, and God continued to comfort us, and God continued to seek after us, and that this acceptance was not a simple one. He had to accept even suffering in order to deliver us again, and we are now called to obey him as a response to the love 
that he has shown us, and glory be to God forever. Amen.